everybody, I'm Karina Givargsov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. Our tagline is for fashion, for beauty, for good, if you don't know it already. Today I spoke with someone who is actually related to me, but we have never met, and although I think I can say we share a close bond, we haven't spoken much at all. She too has suffered the loss of a family member, but tragically hers came through her brother being bullied. This grief and tragedy when she was a teenager has led to now her holistic approach towards her life and education. She's currently on her second degree, focusing on naturopathy in her home, Sydney, Australia, where they are currently in lockdown. Listen as we hear how Annabelle dealt with traumatic life events at such a young age, and now how she gets up at five o'clock every morning to weight train, and how she deals with carbs. Thank you always for listening. Keep well and safe. Annabelle, welcome to our podcast. Um, Thank you. For those of you listening, um, we're actually related. Um, she's my second cousins. That's correct, isn't it, to say that? The family tree and how that <laughs> cousins and all of this confuses me sometimes. But um, yeah, we're in Australia. I'll, I'll second cousins. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I'm in Australia. <laughs> There's so much I want to talk to you about. Um, and understand your trajectory into landing where you are currently. Um, and one thing I have to say, you're doing two, you've got a degree already and you're studying another degree, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, thank you. I've actually been thinking of doing another degree, but I'm trying to stop myself. Like I'm, it's, it's time to get into Korea now, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I love studying. I feel like that if I could get paid to study, I would probably just study for the rest of my life. Have you always been like that? Or is it just because you found topics now that you're really interested in? Um, it's just topics that I'm interested in. Like in school, I couldn't wait to get out. But when you can choose what you're studying, it's just, you just learn so much and it's just so interesting. I wasn't like that at all. Um, like the same <laughs> with you. Like I, I, wish, I wish I was more studious then than I was now. Um, to find interesting things to talk about. So you started, so can you tell me about, um, and now I, I, I'm not sure if I've pronounced this right, Amaya Wellness and Amaya Botanics. Like you started Amaya Botanics a while ago, didn't you? Uh, yeah, that would have been, oh, I don't remember how many years exactly, maybe three years ago. And how do, how do you pronounce it? You probably say it better than I do. Oh, I call it Amoya. <laughs> Amoya, see, I knew I was saying it wrong. And how, how did, can you just tell us about that? And how did that get started? Because you came out with product and you got really into this. It's incredible what you've achieved with that. Um, well, that I started after, so I had graduated from my psychology degree and studying psychology I loved, but then practicing was a bit too mentally draining for me. So I kept going back and forth and um, with psychology in Australia, if you want to actually become a clinical psychologist you need more than a degree and I found every time I enrolled for postgraduate I had so much internal resistance that I probably enrolled three times and dropped out three times so that's when I decided I needed to do something else so I started Amoya Botanics because I had always made my own natural remedies for everything anyway. I didn't know that. Yeah <laughs> um, I had a lot of positive feedback with the skincare so I thought that would be a good place to start 
Um, and then about the same year I launched that, I started studying naturopathy as well because I felt like they tied in very well. How old were you when you started Amoya? Uh, 22. Yes, so almost four years ago, actually. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, well, I've always wanted to be in business somehow, so. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, there's, I don't know what it is, maybe because growing up, I saw a lot of family members in business, so I thought that's something I wanted to do. Maybe I just thought it would give me more freedom in the long run. Yes, to be financially independent and have your own, your own career, well, your own business. Yeah, that's the dream. I don't think that's, I mean, I, I certainly, at 22, that wasn't in my head at all. I think I was just pottering around art school. How was psychology? I've always been fascinated by psychology and, and especially now since we've come out of the human issue and come through COVID, like how people operate and what goes through people's minds, I find really interesting. Yeah, um, psychology, as I said, like I love it. And even in my spare time now, I'm always listening to lectures or reading books on psychology. Like the topic itself, it's just so diverse. There's always something to learn. And I feel like it just applies in everyday life anyway. Um, so yeah, it's one of my greatest loves in life. Like not something I'm willing to let go. <laughs> and I would like to um, use that in my practice as a naturopath as well. But as it being the forefront of my career, I don't think it's the best decision for me. Can you explain um, naturopathy, what that is, just for our listeners who don't know? Um, yeah, so it's pretty much just natural medicine. So the way I explain it to others, I say whatever you would go to your GP with, you would, so your general practitioner, you would go to a naturopath with, except what we prescribe is all natural. It comes from plants. Um, a lot of the time we make it ourselves. And it's just more of a holistic approach to health. So um, a lot of GPs take more of a reductionistic approach where they try to treat the symptom, whereas we look at the whole individual. So we look at different aspects of their life that could be contributing to the disease. So we try to correct those rather than just mask the symptom. Yes, I think that's a massive, um, because you're being disruptive to the medical industry, the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. I, I love homeopathic things. I've always, I remember when mom, my mum was alive, I bought um, um, a herb book and would buy all these oils and do mix up stuff for her rheumatism and give her massages. I would get her feet and give her massages and she just, I'm sure she enjoyed it, but she kind of would often brush me off. Um, cause she just thought it, cause she was, a, she was a nurse. So she was traditionally trained, you know, and believed in medicine, um, and, and saw this other holistic approach as nonsense. <laughs> she often said, yeah. um, <laughs> do, do you, um, how do your parents feel about this? Do, are they believers? Do you, have you kind of tried to get them onto certain things with the holistic approach? I think my mom's a lot more open-minded. <laughs> I think my dad has convinced himself that I'm a doctor. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think I think that's something common though with people that aren't so aware of what naturopathy is they think it's a bit of a woo-woo type of field but really it's heavily based on science with me like I'm not gonna I won't treat something unless there's like scientific backing to it so yeah um, they have a bit of mixed responses 
Is that why you feel that you, you felt you needed to do this second degree study in health and science to help support naturopathy? Oh, well, the degree is a Bachelor of Health Science, but it's a major in naturopathy. And how long is the degree for? Oh, so that the whole degree is four years. So I've done all of the theory work now and I'm just entering clinical work. So now I'm just treating clients and applying everything I've learned. So it's a long degree. I've spent my whole adult life in uni now. <laughs> yeah, but you're learning stuff that is, you know, I guess you needed to have this education. Yeah, definitely. You To, to back up what you're doing and treating the public, because I'm, I'm sure you can't just go out and, and say that you're doing X, Y, Z and you don't have the education, the proper education to know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I think education when it comes to anything in the health field is really important because there are so many professions that aren't regulated. So people can just go get and do an online course and call themselves a herbalist or a naturopath. So that's where the issues lie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to talk about something as well that's a bit, it's going to be painful, I'm sure, to talk about your brother, but I, I do want to touch on it because I think it's important. Um, and I think it's connected to your journey of, of where you've landed. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And for, for our listeners, um, Annabelle lost her brother, um, Eden, when he was 17, and one of the most heinous attacks I've, I, I, I learned about um, as a teenager being chased and bullied from a party and, and um, eventually passed away from, from this attack. And um, I remember speaking to you and your mother during these incredibly difficult times of trying to get, um, I think it was the six people that were finally convicted of murder and manslaughter. Um, and I remember at the time, I think that was the last time we spoke um, uh during this process, they were trying to get the conviction going. But you were studying something different before, I recall. Oh, that's when I was studying psychology. Right. Yes. Um, I think, like, looking at your Instagram feed, how you've um, you put your recipes out there, you've gone into weightlifting and looking after your body and being strong. And I'm assuming this has come from kind of this experience that you had with your brother, um, trying to do something for you and, and um sorry go ahead Annabelle like looking at your Instagram feed how you've um, you put your recipes out there you've gone into weightlifting and looking after your body and being strong and I'm assuming this has come from kind of this experience that you had with your brother oh definitely yeah uh, yeah, so what happened with my brother has pretty much shaped who I am today. So I was actually talking with a friend the other day. If that didn't happen, I would be a completely different person today. So yeah, um, that actually, so why I began studying psychology was uh, in the beginning, me and my brother were talking about how we actually both wanted to study psychology and we wanted to have a practice together. So I think that also contributed to why it was so difficult for me to continue after I had graduated yeah and I found I found relief in fitness as well because um, obviously as you do going through something as traumatic as that you deal with a lot of but you deal with depression and PTSD and I found fitness was like the one thing I could turn to that gave me that relief 
Yes, and um, I mean, I think anyone, anyone listening to this, um, and myself included, any any time you have a dark time in your life, whether a long period of time or a day or something or depression, um, once you do do exercise, it really really helps mentally. But it's hard to sometimes want to get motivated to do something like that. And I think you, it's a testament to your character to find that strength. To, to know psychology wasn't right for you for one to stop that and, and to pivot into something else and go into the fitness and the health and the and the wellness stuff to to better you and, and protect you mentally and physically from outside things whether that's harmful people or, or bad food or diet um and and to have that strength i think is really you know you should be very proud of yourself for kind of switching onto that and, and going into that lane and um giving back it's you're also giving back to others that need the help to kind of better their life um what what do you think you, you say it's shaped it's shaped you you've changed what what are the main changes you feel that you, you've learned about yourself uh well there's been so many and i think because the attack happened when i was so young so i was 15 when he passed away um, I hadn't really been through that whole character development you go through in adulthood. So I think that kind of shaped me in a way that like, I don't know who I would be if that had not happened. But in terms of that, I feel, I feel like it's, oh, I don't know how to put this into words. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I think it's because it's been so long since I've, spoken about him <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mentioned it um because I don't think I would have started mission had I not lost my mother or brother and it was different circumstances of course um but it changed me massively when I lost them um and since I started mission that's changed me as well um it's really shaped who I am now and I've um and I'm sure that I would imagine it's the same with you with studying all that you're doing and launching Maya Botanics and the Maya Wellness and doing your recipes and, and training. You've really changed completely, probably, or, or maybe just come into being exactly who you're meant to be. Oh, maybe, yeah. I feel like the whole experience has made me a lot more empathic towards others. So I don't I don't often feel angry towards others I guess because I think this also like having studied psychology I kind of understand people's motives and I don't really take it personally I think that's a that's a great way to be and um I think it's not always easy to have your mindset switched onto that um yeah to, to think like that and I think actually um I got asked ages ago, why did I start Mission and, and how easy was it and giving back and all of this? And I, and I said exactly what you've just said. I said, unless you have empathy, I think it's hard to kind of sometimes engage with people to understand what I'm trying to do or get involved. And, and I don't think you can teach empathy to people. I think it has to come like really from an experience. Um, Definitely. I think some people are more inclined to it than others. Completely, yes, completely. Um, 
I want to shift gears onto something um, that your Instagram with your recipes, I have to say, they always pop up in my feed when I'm really hungry, <laughs> really hungry. And they look so delicious, Annabelle, when I, when I see them. Um, like I just, I looked this morning before I came, we came to this podcast and I haven't had, it's, um, I'm in London at the moment and it's 20 to nine and I haven't had breakfast yet. Don't judge me, Annabelle. I know you're into nutrition. <laughs> I might give you a lecture. It's all right. <laughs> no, no, not, not yet. Not yet. Well, that's, that's off, that's offline. We'll get into that offline. Um, I have had my espresso, which please don't judge me. I'm tired and I love my coffees. Um, I looked, you have, I was like, oh my God, she's just put a chocolate cherry truffle ball in there. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm really hungry. There's five, five ingredients. So they look so fun to do. How, how, um, is there a lot of prep that needs going into it? Because for someone like me who has a really busy lifestyle and doesn't get a chance often to leisurely shop for food and pre, pre-planning meals, forget that. That's kind of... Um, I don't have that <laughs> luxury, but um, they look so fun to do. Oh, they are fun. <laughs> I think that's also like another sense of like mental relief. It's something I go to when I just need to tune out. But no, not a lot of prep goes into them. I go for, I try to make recipes that are really easy, not time consuming and just healthy because even me I don't like to spend hours and hours in the kitchen and when it comes to prepping meals in advance I usually just it's usually on a Sunday I'll just take maybe three hours out of the day prep all my meals and then that's it I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week yes there was someone that used to intern with us that would do that um and she'd be so prepared um when she'd come on Monday morning and and I, I really admired that and I thought oh gosh I wish I had that time to do it. Or if I have three hours spare, the last thing I want to do is go down to the supermarket. Oh, um, yeah. And, which is the wrong thing to say to someone like you. I know. Listen, I'd be the best. You'd go to town on me as a patient, I'm sure. See, I personally love grocery shopping. Like, I'd have to go after this interview anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do too. Once I'm in the store, I get all excited. But I make the biggest mistake of going when you're hungry. Uh, that's the that's worst no. time yeah you to can't shop. do that <laughs> um because I want to get a snack beforehand to tide me over whilst I'm in the store and um all these awful bad habits um how do you stay focused and disciplined what 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 kind of is there a cheat sheet that you have or you know and if you've got low energy what's a good what do you turn to um for me personally so when I was a child, I was obese. And so I had to deal with bullying and just low self-esteem and all that kind of things. Um, so now I find it easy to stick to a healthy lifestyle just because I have all those painful memories. So for me, it's not so much, a, not so much motivation in the moment. It's just remembering where I was and where I am now and how much better off I am now. That's amazing. Do you, do your friends? I'm sure you've you've got close friends that you've known um, your whole life, and and they've obviously been on the journey with you and seen the change in every shape or form with you. Are they? Um, have they changed with you? Have they taken kind of some of um, things you've done and 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 like the nutrition and the health? Have they 
being part of this journey with you? Um, I wouldn't say in the same way. So the friends that I was really close with in high school and all that, we most of us fell out because you know, after my brother had died, things had happened with us. But um, the friends that I had reconnected with, most of them I went to primary school with and they, they're on the same, they have the same lifestyle pretty much in terms of um, training and diet. Like everybody just puts their own health as a priority. Um, yeah, so I try to um, hang around people like that more often just because we have the same mindset. And I find with people that don't really see their health as a priority, that they, they try to pressure me into doing things I don't want to do. Like I find I don't drink at the moment and I haven't had a drink for many years. And I find a lot of people that do drink, they try to pressure me into it and think I'm weird for not drinking. <laughs> I think that's sensible not to be around people that don't make you feel good. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a, a basic um, common sense thing. And it's interesting you say that about um, like middle school of friends. I'm my best friends that are the ones that I've known since I was little um, and that have, I now have my best interest at heart. Um, and I think what, I think you form that bond when you're little that um, they're friends for life. Yeah, definitely. I think it's easier when you're young. <laughs> yeah, you're more, um, uh, well, you don't have the judgmental and cynicism and um, there's just that free, just, fun of, of learning as, as little kids so have you started I want to talk about your um you're going out into the into clinical practices now so have you started this already uh, I've actually started it this week but in Sydney we're actually in lockdown which has been extended another week <laughs> so everything's via zoom so it's been a bit difficult but we're making it work and how does that work? So this is with still under the umbrella of the degree. So you're dealing with patients technically then um, through Zoom. And is that something that the school sets up with for you or do you get connected to a practice it's like an internship? Uh, so the clinic is actually part of the uni. So uh, we do all our hours there before we pretty much get released into the wild. <laughs> So we have a lot of practice before we graduate and that's under the supervision of the other practitioners. That's really good. That's very diligent of the, of the uni to have that. That's a very clever idea. Yeah, I actually love that. Well, it makes actually a lot of sense um, to do that because I guess it's not, you're not so, it's not so extreme going out then to be out into the public, um, going out cold like that. Yeah, exactly. So how was your, what was your first practice like? Um, it was good. Um, it was mostly just sitting on in other consults and taking notes, but I found it was all, it all went smoothly. <laughs> but yeah, the thing you said, you mentioned about um, going out cold, that's the difference I find between this degree and my psychology degree, because after I'd finished that, there wasn't a lot of practice. So it was just trying to, figure things out on your own whereas with this like you have people's health in your hands and they see that as a priority that you need that practice and you need that supervision of treating people and making sure you're not making silly mistakes and things like that 
Yeah, definitely. So then have you, do you have one more year of, of like official university? Mm-hmm. Just one year left and then I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rest of the year it's all clinic, clinical practice. And so what's your, um, what's your plan when you leave? Like where do you see um, Yumaya Wellness, Yumaya Botanics? That's obviously underneath the Yumaya umbrella. What else plan do you have? So I want my niche to be in athletic performance and recovery as well as weight management and mental health. In terms of how I go about that, I'm still not 100% clear on, but I find that's where all my passion lies. And because also straight after high school, I went and got my certificates in fitness. I feel like all that knowledge is coming together. Yes. It's all connected, isn't it? Yeah. And I am like very passionate about product development as well. So I would like to expand Umaya Botanics and maybe release some tinctures and supplements and things like that. How did you get into, um, I know you obviously got into the exercise for mental health and everything, but why did you choose um, like the weights? Because I remember when we spoke ages ago, I was talking to you about this saying how, you know, how do you, there's times when I've gone into a gym um, and you're in the weight, like you go down to the weight and you see all these, and it's very male dominated, um, a floor and it's very intimidating and daunting. And when I used, and I remember really specifically thinking of you and I'd had a brief conversation and you go around and I would look at the machines and I wouldn't know what on earth they would do. Um, but then there'd be a machine with some big buff bloke in the next one pounding away and just hear the weights clinking away like crazy. Um, and I just, and it's just, and I guess this comes down to having like the education on it. Um, but how did you get into the weightlifting as opposed to some people maybe get specifically into yoga or Pilates? Why did you go into that? And, and how did you learn about all of that? Ooh, I don't know. It was so many years ago. I think originally I started weightlifting because I was doing a whole lot of cardio and it was actually damaging to my feet because I have flat feet, unfortunately. So I thought exercise wasn't something I wanted to give up, so I had to try a different route. So um, we actually had a bit of equipment in the garage from when my parents bought it and kind of just left it there. <laughs> so I started using that and I loved it. And I saw changes to my body and to strength. Yeah, I don't know, it just made me feel really good. And did you look up, like, did you just go onto YouTube and figure out how, like, how to use this equipment? It's honestly, I find it fascinating because it's something that um, I used to make out. It, it would pluck up all my courage just to go even in the area where <laughs> these big buff men were training. And I was like, stuff it. I'm going to go there too. And then I'd look down at the machine and go, right, where do I put that pin? And I'd put it in a weight I thought I could do. And then it wouldn't even move. I was like, oh, crap, I've got to go. <laughs> I've got to go to the lightest weight. We all start somewhere. <laughs> but again, it goes back to having the education and the knowledge and um, and understanding that. I mean, what's 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 a typical routine for you nowadays? Like, what's your what's your exercise like nowadays? I mean, you're in Australia, which is so kind of it's so they love health and nutrition and being outdoors. It's so different a lifestyle to New York or London. 
Oh, well, it really depends where you are. In the coastal areas of Australia, definitely, but I'm a bit more inland, so the lifestyle is a little bit different. But, um, yeah, in terms of my workout program now, so I wake up at 5 a.m. and I go straight to the gym, and that's when I get my strength training done. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's where I've been going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're a lot busier than I am. <laughs> well, no, you seem to have a lot going on two degrees and everything else. No, my goodness. So you get up at five. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the strength training routine will take about an hour. Then I'll come back home, do what needs to be done. And I've recently started jujitsu. So I'll do that in the evening. So that will usually go between an hour to two hours, depending on how many classes there are and if they're sparring afterwards. Um, but the thing with me is I need to keep active because I eat a lot. <laughs> it, it's just, it's a necessity at this point. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you something. So all your recipes you have on Instagram, and if anyone's listening, please do look at, um, Annabelle, tell us what's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's Amoya Wellness. And that's U-M-O-Y-A, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, please, please, guys, whoever's listening, do have a look at her Instagram handle because the recipes are delicious. Um, and I am going to have a bash, but I might have to start with the five-ingredient cherry and chocolate truffle balls. Oh, I wish I could make them for you. <laughs> I wish you could make all my meals for me off your Instagram because they all look really good. What? I'm gonna Now, you've got to be honest with this one, this question. Okay. You know, it's a little bit bad and shouldn't be allowed, but do you have sneaks and little treats sometimes? Uh, yes. <laughs> so the only thing in my diet that I have that I shouldn't have is chocolate. So I've managed to get rid of everything else. But when it comes to chocolate, if you put a whole block in front of me, I'm eating the whole block. And if I know there's chocolate in the house, I have to eat it all. <laughs> so that is my kryptonite. I have to say I'm, I'm the same with that. But my, my father's diabetic and I'm in London at the moment um, and I stay at his house. And he doesn't, been diabetic, he can't have chocolate. So I actually don't buy it because if it's in the house, it'll get eaten. And um, there's something that I did when I when we're in New York in the office, we had, um, ages ago, I had this, this English sub-editor came and she brought English chocolate, a bag of it, like Maltesers and Twix, I mean, Cadbury's, and it was just, it was like heaven. And um, I did something really... That sounds so good. <laughs> But do you know what I did, which is so bonkers? Um, I hid it in my apartment from myself. Um, <laughs> How do you do that? You need to teach me. <laughs> well, the thing is, when you're working the insane hours I normally do and the exhaustion level, you do forget things. Um, and it worked because there were, this was, this was, I did this on, I think it was the launch issue when it was just so extreme the stress in the hours that um, I actually, couldn't find a bag of Maltesers one time at 10 o'clock at night. And it really annoyed me that I'd done that to myself. <laughs> I know that's the time where you need chocolate. When your stress levels are high, you go for the chocolate. <laughs> yes, I know, but it's the wrong time to be doing that. So do you not have, um, I've got to ask this, like any carbs or pizza or pasta or burgers, that's all eliminated. <laughs> oh, no. No, my whole diet is carbs because um, 
being vegan, I mean, most of my food sources do come from carbs. But um, when it comes to pizzas and burgers, if that's something I feel like I would just make it myself in a healthy way because I, I don't like the way that unhealthy foods make me feel. And I think I've developed a bit of an, an intolerance to oils as well because I find when I eat food that has oil in it, my skin gets really itchy. So I feel like it's an easy decision for me at this point. But this took years for me to get to this because – I don't think I had a vegetable until I actually went vegan, which was when I was 18 years old. So it's been a long transition. I mean, growing up obese, like you're obviously not eating well. So it was just a lot of, a lot of learning in terms of what I actually need to eat for my body to flourish. Yeah. And you've got to, um, it's again, back to the mindset, isn't it? You've got to want to do that and, and, become vegan and see vegetables and fruit as as nutritious way to feed your body and and look forward to eating those things I often buy things like this and and I don't get a chance to eat them or enjoy them and um, because of just timing and when it comes to changing your lifestyle I mean it's it's not an easy thing to do but you have to think all right being in a position you don't want to be in in my case being fat and unhealthy is that more painful than taking the healthy route making the healthier choices so you kind of need to weigh it down and say which path is actually harder so for me staying unfit staying unhealthy was a lot harder for me than to just make a dish with vegetables but yeah as I said it took a long time and uh, throughout my adolescence I had developed a lot of eating disorders so it was a lot of retraining and relearning. Was this with your eating disorders was this before um, Eden passed? Well okay so I was at 12 years old I was 94 kilos so at that point obviously being a 12 year old you don't know how to lose the weight so I kind of just stopped eating so I actually lost a lot of weight that way, but then obviously it comes back because it's not sustainable. And then when Eden passed away, I kind of developed the same habits. And But at that point, it was more of a way to take control of my life because of something. Obviously, he died and that was out of my control and just everything in my life was just out of my control at that point. So developing that eating disorder and withholding food for myself was a way to take back control. When you go to your, I'm going to go back on the 5am training, do you go on your own or do you have a training in the gym or is there, is there a community when you go in that it, like, are you on your own doing it or there's others there? Oh, so I train on my own, but I've made friends at the gym. So we all say hi to each other, but I think we've, we all kind of prefer to train on our own. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot of solo training. And then in the evening time, that's all groups what made you choose jiu-jitsu do you enjoy it I love it um so when I was a kid I was actually doing taekwondo and I love that as well but I find it's not very applicable in the street (laughs) and I've weirdly enough like I've come across a lot of instances on the street where men have tried to intimidate me so I thought you know what enough is enough I've got to start jiu-jitsu because I heard that's probably the best martial arts for women and it's actually quite effective going against an opponent that's bigger than you and heavier than you and probably more powerful than you because as a woman 
but you're probably going to go against the men who's all of that. So you need to know how to defend yourself if that ever happens. Um, yeah, and I found after what happened with my brother, like you can't really take chances. So you've got to be prepared in case something does happen. <laughs> yes, no, completely. Actually listening to your journey and, and everything that you've trained for, um, your diet, the, um, the exercise, I'm thinking of that incident as you're telling me this because it all seems to have naturally that that event that awful event triggered all of this I feel um oh yeah it definitely has subconsciously for you to do this and and it, and even the, the jiu-jitsu the trainers like you know to protect yourself mm. which is great so how long have you done jiu-jitsu for um so I started at the beginning of the year so it's only been a few months fantastic I'd love to see you doing that <laughs> I think that's so cool so cool all of this it's but it's really it's again, it's back to having um, discipline, which you clearly have an abundance of um, to be disciplined, disciplined to do all of this. Because I think anything that you want to succeed in, you have to be. Definitely. You just need to want it enough to not rely on motivation because it's going to get hard and then you're not going to want to do it on certain days, but you just need to think of why you started, I guess. And you're up at 5 a.m. every morning, come rain or shine, snow or any kind of elements I find that much, unbelievable yeah. <laughs> wow I'm such a night owl um and I think because from my past job when I used to be on a magazine in England um you have to be late at night checking copy and um stockist pages for the fashion shoots that were in the magazine and I'd often work till three four in the morning and now that applies with what I do now there's often like when we're in production I would start 10 o'clock in the morning UK time then go through till often four or five in the morning you sleep at all <laughs> yes 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 well I can say the same to you I mean <laughs> oh I'm in bed by nine <laughs> it's early growth in the company so I need to put those hours in but it's such a lovely time of the day at four or five in the morning when I've been awake at that hour the sun's just coming up and um I mean, we're in the summertime here, so it's, it's a lot easier. I'm so impressed that you get up at that hour. I used to, I'd like to think that I would be that person, Annabelle, but um, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, hey, I could never be the person that's up past, say, 11 p.m., so I'm very impressed with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, listen, I'm going to say thank you to you. We're going to end our podcast now because we'll just go on for hours and hours and I adore you and think what you have done and how you have shaped your life and, and, and what you're doing. Oh, likewise. I, look, I can't wait to see where you're going next with everything. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. This was lovely. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to listen to Annabelle's incredible moving journey. Our next guest has become a friend of Missions. We featured them in our LGBTQ issue with a fantastic photo shoot by acclaimed photographer Silver Sunsbow. And then also they interviewed a scientist from SETE for our current human issue. We speak to Daniel Lismore on his activism, his projects with Greenpeace, taking over and dressing statues in Liverpool in the UK. And you can see why Vogue described him as England's most eccentric dresser. Please tune in and hear what else Daniel has to say. Take good care. All the best. Bye for now.